Are you interested in a clinically focused, mission-driven MD education with abundant research opportunities plus the opportunity to graduate debt-free? Listen in. Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine may have it all, and Geisinger's Dean of Admission is going to tell us more. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 482nd episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Do you know how to get accepted to medical school? Well, Dr. Susie Schweikert does, and she shares her knowledge and insight in Accepted's free guide, Med School Admissions, What You Need to Know to Get Accepted. Download your free copy at accepted.com slash 482 download. Today's guest, Dr. Michelle Schmoody, has spent her career in higher ed administration and med school admissions. After earning her BA in history and business, she went on to earn an MBA and then a doctorate in education from Wilkes University. Since 1996, she has worked in admissions, first as Dean of Full-Time Admissions at Point Park University, then at King's College, and since 2015 as Director and then as Associate Dean of Admissions, Enrollment Management, and Financial Aid at Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine. She is also an Associate Professor of Medical Education at Geisinger. Now that you know a little bit about Dr. Schmoody, let's find out about Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine and its admissions policies. Dr. Schmoody, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here today and to chat with you about Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine. I'm excited too. Can you give us an overview of the Geisinger Commonwealth Med School program and focusing on this more distinctive elements? Sure. Thank you so much. So um, Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine offers the MD degree, which is the Doctorate of Medicine, and it's we are an allopathic medical school. We are located in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and we were founded in 2008 as the Commonwealth Medical College and transformed into Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine in 2017. Currently, right now, we enroll 115 students in each medical school class. Our MD curriculum is known as the total health curriculum, and it is divided into three phases. The first phase prepares our students in terms of the principles of medical sciences and practices. The second phase would be our core clinical immersion. And the last phase is um, our career differentiation and exploration, getting you prepared for your transition to residency. Also highlighted within our MD curriculum and our total health curriculum, we have six longitudinal themes where our students are immersed in health equity and justice, personal and professional development, health system citizenship, primary care, community immersion, and population health. So again, these themes are interwoven throughout the four years of our medical school program in both our basic sciences as well as our clinical sciences. Now, are the themes something that a student chooses to focus on more, or is it that everybody covers those six themes through the three stages? That's a great question. 
So all of our students participate in the six themes. And so, uh, you know, additionally, our students also participate in active learning sessions. Our medical school curriculum, along with the, the six themes, we do not have any lectures. And so our students um, prepare ahead of time. They come to class and they are active participants in their learning experiences and engage in small groups, workshops, reflection, case-based learning, so on and so forth. Again, they also engage in early clinical experiences, and those experiences do have the six themes woven throughout. Okay. And it sounds like it's a very much of a flipped classroom kind of experience. It absolutely is a flipped classroom. Right. And again, we, um, we assume and we encourage that our students come to class prepared because they are provided with all of the materials ahead of time so they can come prepared. And so they have that knowledge. And so then they are able to engage in these active learning experiences to help um, further their understanding and application of the course content. Okay, great. Now, I think you and I spoke, it was about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago. The world has changed a little bit since then. <laughs> How has Geisinger changed? Well, we, we've changed a lot. Um, <laughs> so a couple of things I've actually already highlighted for you. The first was to talk about our total health curriculum. So we debuted that curriculum for the MD class of 2025. So okay. really, we debuted it last year. So I would say that is a major uh, change and a great way to educate our medical students. Next would be our new medical school dean, Dr. Julie Byerly. Mm. Um, Dr. Stephen Scheinman retired on December 31st, 2021. And after a national search, Dr. Julie Byerly came to Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine and began her tenure on January 1st, 2022. Dr. Byerly previously um, worked at the University of North Carolina Medical School. Um, she'll have her official inauguration early in September of this year. Oh, wow. We're very excited to have Dr. Byerly with us. She's a national expert um, and a wonderful individual to lead our institution. Another update for you since the last mm -hmm. time we spoke, we just opened a new regional campus. And oh, so yeah. I'll talk a little bit more about our regional campuses. Our students come to Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine, and I talked to you about our phases, phase one, phase two, and phase three. During phase one, all of our students are at our Scranton location, engaging in those educational activities. During phase two and phase three, they are at their regional campus. And so we have six regional campuses and our newest regional campus is in Lewistown, Pennsylvania. We're really excited about the opportunities at this new regional campus that our students will have in terms of their clinical immersion experiences and their preparation for residency. Wow, there's a lot going on, a lot new. And you know what? You didn't mention COVID once. I, I think uh, or I think we're all done with COVID. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I mean, what I will say is that there have been many, many silver linings. Yes. Could, would I be able to, to maybe touch upon a silver lining of COVID? Please do, please do. Go so for it. I, I do think that 
COVID really allowed the medical school community to think differently about admissions and how we interview our students. And we're going to get into this a little bit later yeah. um, when I talk about our multiple mini interviews. So I, I, I won't go into that yet. But COVID really forced medical school admission professionals to think about interviewing differently. And it forced us very quickly to go to a virtual interview model that, quite frankly, I, I think that many people were resistant to. What I have found is that this virtual opportunity has really allowed us to engage with students across the country and um, from different um, demographics. And it's also provided an opportunity for students who might not have been able to purchase a very expensive airline ticket and stay in a hotel to come across country to interview with us. So I think we're providing more access to students in terms of the opportunity to interview. I think that that's a real positive. And so I think that that's a silver lining and you know, we're gonna continue to do virtual interviews for this year. And who knows, I, I think that we, meaning the medical school admissions community really need to rethink um, how uh, our interviews are conducted. You know, does it really have to be in person? Can we offer some in person? Can some be virtual and can some be hybrid? I don't know, um, but we can work together on that to find a solution that provides the best access to applicants that we would like to meet during the interview process. Right, right. It's very interesting for me because obviously I, I talk to different admissions students and most of them are saying that they're staying, they're staying virtual. Some are offering, very few are offering in-person options and they're saying for the in-person that'll be after acceptance or if they want to come to campus or this this kind of thing but no that's been a sea change it, and, it definitely uh, has been and so what we're going to do is we're going to offer recruitment days to our students that we've invited to interview so those students um, will be able to come on campus we have designated days and what we're really doing is we're separating out the assessment, so the interview, from traditional recruitment activities. So those students will be able to have a tour of campus, meet with our current students, meet with faculty members, um, engage in active learning experiences. I talked about that that's really a hallmark of our total yeah. health curriculum. They'll be um, in simulated experiences based on active learning activities. So I think it'll be a really wonderful opportunity for our students to come and visit campus throughout at any time during the recruitment process. Right, yeah, great. This was a wonderful answer, thank you. What is the Abigail Geisinger Scholars Program and how can it help applicants attend medical school and graduate debt-free, which is an enormous burden. I mean, you, you know, I talked to, to graduates, and I remember one guy I spoke with said he had a half a million dollars in debt. He was, oh no, he was, it wasn't a half a million dollars in debt. It was, he was paying $5,000 a month to pay down his debt. And he could do it, but it's a burden. It's a tremendous it burden. Medical school debt is astronomical and it continues to rise. Um, I know I said that the total health curriculum is a, a hallmark program. I like to say the Abigail Geisinger Scholars Program is our second hallmark program okay. at Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine. We began working on this program several years ago 
um, really to think about reducing medical school debt. And the average, according to the AAMC, is $200,000. Um, for our medical students, it's, it's higher than that. And we really needed to address medical stu student debt. And so it was a 15 to 18 month process that we put together all different kinds of scenarios to really formulate the Abigail Geisinger Scholars Program. And I'm gonna tell you what that is. And so each and every year, we interview uh, students for the program and we select 45 students out of our 115 to become part of the Abigail Geisinger Scholars Program. The Abigail Geisinger Scholars Program is for students who will commit to one of four specialties. Those specialties include family medicine, internal medicine, medicine pediatrics, which is a dual board certification, or psychiatry. So students have to be committed to one of those four specialties. In return, um, what they receive is we cover tuition and fees for the four years of medical school, and we provide them with a $2,000 a month monthly stipend. Once they finish medical school, they are free to, to match into any residency. It has to be one of those four residencies, but it could be anywhere in the country. Once they're finished with their residency, they then must come back to complete their service commitment because this is a service commitment program mm -hmm. and they will spend four years at one of our Geisinger facilities as a practicing Geisinger physician in the specialty to which they are board certified. So again, um, students need to commit to family medicine, internal medicine, medicine, pediatrics, or psychiatry. We cover tuition and fees and we give the student a $2,000 a month monthly stipend throughout their four years of medical school. Once they complete their residency, they then need to immediately come back to Geisinger and begin their work as a practicing Geisinger physician in one of those four specialties. And then they would give us four years of um, employment as a Geisinger physician to, um, to forgive their service commitment. So, and I assume they're during the four years, they get a competitive salary. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. there's no difference between um, if I'm in an, if, if both of us were being hired in family medicine and I was an Abigail Geisinger scholar and you were not, there is no bearing on salary based on the Abigail Geisinger scholars right. program. Right. And, um, and, what I will also yeah. say is that there are a lot of um, features and benefits of the program that include mentoring, advising, coaching, um, additional and earlier clinical experiences uh, within our healthcare arena, um, the mentoring and advising with Geisinger physicians, residents, and then peer-to-peer -peer with current Abigail Geisinger scholars along with regional campus placement within one of our four Geisinger campuses. As I mentioned before, we have six. Four of those are within the Geisinger healthcare system. And they also have a senior seminar series where they engage with anyone from a director of a research program all the way up to the chief operating officer, the chief executive officer, Dr. Jay Wan Ru of the Geisinger um, health system. Wow. So it's very immersive. 
There are various touch points within the program. Again, the mentorship, advising, and coaching is definitely um, a feature and a benefit that uh, will help our students be successful. Sounds fantastic. And I assume that this, the six regional centers are, are mostly in, in northeastern Pennsylvania, or, or am I wrong on that? Five of the six are, and mm -hmm. our sixth campus is in Atlantic City at Atlantic Care. Okay. Okay, so great. Atlantic City, New Jersey. Got it. Let's turn to the Geisinger application. What, what is the secondary like? Sure. So um, the secondary is definitely very, very mission focused. Mm -hmm. So you want to understand the mission, vision, and values of Geisinger and how you align with those. Okay. Um, another uh, area of the secondary application is a focus on whether or not you're applying to the Abigail Geisinger Scholars Program. That's actually your application opportunity to tell us that you want to be a part of this innovative service commitment program that reduces medical student debt and, and allows you to graduate debt free. Sounds so good. Two takeaways. They're all mission focused. So know our mission. And second, it is the application um, entryway for the Abigail Geisinger Scholars Program. Got it. Got it. Now, Geisinger requires the AAMC professional readiness exam, also called preview. What does it give you that the rest of the application doesn't provide? And may I ask, why did you choose it over the Casper? Because sure. Casper seems more co common. And I believe that's what you were using last time we spoke, but I'm not positive about that. Well, you have a good memory. We, we were <laughs> thinking about Casper. So let me tell you a little bit more about the AAMC's preview assessment. Okay. Um, we actually started as a pilot school for the AAMC's preview assessment last cycle. So that was the first cycle we utilized um, this, the assessment information in our holistic review of candidates. And so it should be noted that it is recommended, it's not required. And so in holistic admission, we look at metrics, attributes, and experiences and so all of our candidates are unique and they provide different information to us so that we can get a holistic view of who they are. The preview assessment is just one piece of information that students can provide to us or not. We look at, we look at it as a plus factor. And so um, it really helps us to understand their preparedness regarding pre-medical school competencies. And so it also gives them an opportunity to give us additional information that might not be contained within the application materials that they submit. What and kind so, of information, for example? Uh, so it looks at the pre-medical school competencies. So um, it takes a look at um, teamwork and social skills and capacity for improvement and resiliency and reliability and ethics. Those, those are competencies we want our incoming medical students to have, right? It's a social contract with medicine and, and with society. And yeah. so we believe that this is a positive for our students. And this will be the second year that the preview assessment is recommended by Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine and that um, will continue to be a pilot school. So last year we were one of six 
um, pilot institutions asked to participate with the AAMC. Um, so there are six, five MD schools and one FDO mm -hmm. school. And this year they're expanding it a little bit. I haven't received the final number of schools, but again, we are participating again as a pilot school. Okay, great. And it is optional, right? It absolutely it's, is optional. It's optional, but recommended. Yes, because I, we believe that students can demonstrate to us their preparedness in terms of these pre-medical school competencies that all students should have. I mean, you, you listed them fairly quickly. I would say they could go into the umbrella term professionalism. Professionalism, absolutely. Emotional intelligence, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are 15 competencies. Um, seven of them are more on the science-based. Eight are, um, I, I mentioned some of those to you. Yeah. Um, another one is, I believe, critical thinking and, and writing. Okay. Um, but the other ones that I identified, those are, are really essential. In well, they're all essential, right? But the, the assessment exam looks at, at uh, those that I mentioned. Obviously, you can gain quantitative reasoning or anything um, based in science based off of one's transcript. Right. Necessarily from a transcript can't, can't gauge their resiliency or no. their reliability. No, you can't. Absolutely not. Or their ethics, right? <laughs> Correct. Correct. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. Streamline your med school applications with Interfolio. Apply to multiple schools at once, request secure letters of recommendation, and more. Sign up at interfolio.com backslash accepted with the code accepted22 for 10% off. That's interfolio.com backslash accepted. And now let's go back to the interview. Okay, let's keep going. Now, the secondaries, I believe, are automatic at Geisinger, correct? They are. You are correct. Okay, what happens to an application after... You get the secondary and the preview score. Basically, when you have everything except the interview, what happens? Sure. So once a student provides all of their application materials to us, they're considered a completed application. And it is the responsibility of the admissions committee to review those applicants. So um, a member of the admissions committee, someone reads an applicant. So all of us are engaged in that process. And those members are trained and they determine whether a candidate will be offered an interview or whether they will not be offered an interview based on the holistic review of their application materials, meaning we're looking at the metrics, attributes, and experiences and how they align with the mission of the institution. And that's why I highlighted that when we were talking about the secondary application before. Sure. Again, that's not going to come through in the transcript. It's not going to come through in the primary necessarily. It's not. Um, you are correct. Right. What mistakes do you see applicants commonly making? I see a few. Um, a lot of times I do see, oh, just a personal statement riddled with spelling errors, grammatical errors, and that's a, a quick way to, to get you out. Um, but, you know, other, um, some other mistakes would be not really understanding or the mission or researching your institution and writing a plain secondary and submitting it. You can, 
after you read um, 50,000, 75,000 personal or secondary yeah. to, to know which ones actually um, understand and embrace and, and, and have researched your mission, right? Um, as opposed to, to those who haven't. So definitely know the mission and understand the school, um, especially if you're applying, uh, applying there and especially those that are mission-based. You know, some other ones are applying when they're just not ready, when they just don't have a competitive application. And I think students need to really reflect and say before they submit, is this the best possible application that I can submit for consideration? And if the answer is no, um, maybe you need to consider going into the next cycle and, and thinking about ways that you can improve. So when you talk about a competitive application, are you talking about the qualifications? Are you talking about the presentation of the qualifications? Let's say a rushed app, or are you talking about both? I'm talking about both. So do you have the experiences that align with medicine? Are you rushed in your application? Did you prepare appropriately for the MCAT? Are your grades the best that they can be? And so I, I, I say to applicants, is this really your best application? And if they can look in the mirror, and, and, you know, you have to look in the mirror and say yes or no to yourself and be honest, then, then okay. But if it's not, and you identify areas that you can improve upon, maybe it would be prudent for you to take that year to make those, those improvements um, and show demonstrated growth or um, a pre-medical school company, show your capacity for improvement and then submit the following year. So really being reflective and thinking about how competitive you are and do you have the experiences that that align with medicine? Right. Yeah. I I talk to a lot of applicants one-on-one and uh, one always stays in my mind. He did not become a client. He was a reapplicant and he felt that the only reason he was rejected was a low MCAT score. So he was going to reuse all his essays. And I tried to tell him he didn't want to hear it. I tried to tell him that part of it as a, as a re-applicant is to show growth, to show improvement. And if you just resubmit your applications, you're completely failing to do that, even if you do have a higher MCAT score. Um, and I, I don't think he was willing to do the reflection that you're talking about. And I don't I know what happened. You, there has to be something that has changed over that year. Or oh, yeah. There's nothing happened. It's the same application, right? And so what, you know, I guess the question is, what have you done lately? Yeah. I like to say, how are you new and improved? Like tied, you know? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Let's get to the interview. What sure. is the virtual in- interview like at, at Geisinger Commonwealth? Great question. So not only did we deploy the preview assessment last year, we deployed the multiple mini interview. Yes, we did both in the same cycle. Virtually. I'm still here. <laughs> virtually, virtually, right? Yes, yes. So um, we transitioned from a traditional interview to a multiple mini interview. And we debuted the multiple mini interview in September of 2021, which is the beginning of our interview season. And so this application cycle will be our second. And again, it will be virtual. I talked to you about um, the opportunities for our students to come on campus and attend the the recruitment days for those students that we've offered an interview 
too. And the stations in our MMI assess those core competencies for entering medical students that I talked about in the preview assessment. So our stations are, are based on those pre-medical school competencies. So we, you know, ethics, teamwork, cultural competency, resiliency, reliability, so on and so forth. Are they with actors or are they with faculty or current students? What? So no actors, but okay. we have community members. We have faculty members, we have students. We have um, everyone within our clinical arena helping us. So um, students do not know the affiliation of their interviewer because they shouldn't. And our interviewer shouldn't know them because it, inter it introduces bias. And it, there's really no relevance. You're assessing a competency. And if you're trained, anyone can assess that a competency if you're trained the appropriate way. And we have a very robust training program for all of our interviewers. And so um, each and every person has a standard prompt with standard questions. And I say, hello, my name is Michelle Schmoody. I'm an interviewer at Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine, and I'm here to assess you on the cultural competency. And then I go into my questions that are standard and I don't deviate from them. That ensures that, you know, it is, it's, it's fair and equitable across all um, interviewees. Wow. Okay. And, and so are they like given, given hypothetical situations and asked how they would handle them? Is that, is that basically the format? Mm -hmm. So there are um, prompts for each mm -hmm. of the stations and mm -hmm. then you engage in a conversation with your interviewer about those respective prompts or scenarios. Got it. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Now there's a lot of, um, angst, I would say about when interview invitations go out and stop going out. And there seems to be a meme out there, and I don't know how it is at Geisinger, but that's what I'm going to get to, meme out there that if you don't have an interview invitation by Thanksgiving, you're toast. But when I ask schools, when I ask schools, when their last interview invitations go out, they almost all say January, February, occasionally March. So when do your interview invitations stop going out? I'm chuckling because that's an urban legend, right? Uh, right. Blogs and we hear from our friends and we hear, but are you actually asking the admissions professionals that actually make those decisions? So we begin to send our invitations out in mid August and they go all the way through mid February to late February. So um, for us, yeah, that's an urban legend. Um, yes, we we go way past Thanksgiving. Right. Okay. That's why I asked the question. I'm doing exactly what you want it, want me to do, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Now, um, do you want students, you admit, to have both research experience and clinical exposure? Was that important to you? So. Um, Was it more of a nice to have? I know the clinical exposure is, is definitely a must. Uh, and, and I was I was going to say that the clinical exposure is a must, right? You need to understand and you need to be in the clinical arena so that you can understand and appreciate what's happening within that clinical environment. Research is a wonderful experience to have, and we value that. Although we would never say that if a student has the metric attributes and experiences that align with our mission, 
And we thought that they were a good fit just because they didn't have research. That wouldn't be a reason why we, we wouldn't consider them for an interview. And so, you know, you're looking at the, the healthcare arena and of course, exposure is extremely important. I'm going to add that I, I think community service is extremely important, right? right? Because that's indicative of the profession, of the medical school profession, the medical profession. You're in service of others. And so how do you demonstrate that, you're, that you serve others? Um, community service is a, a great way to do that. And for us, that's part and parcel of the mission of, the Insti- of Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine. Okay, great. Now, Geisinger Commonwealth, according to MSAR, received 7,030 applications for its class of 115 students last year. I don't know how you went through that, but anyway, that's a separate story. It sends out... <laughs> I, I, my eyes are still bleeding from reading everything. <laughs> it sends out automatic secondaries, as we discussed. And it says, and MSAR also said that you interviewed 928 students. How do you get it down from 7,000 plus to, well, first of all, 928 and then 115. Sure. So I'm going to go Besides back. The- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to go back to the mission of the institution. As I said, each applicant that's completed is reviewed by a member of the admissions committee. And we look at metrics, attributes, and experiences. And then we look at the alignment with the mission of the institution. And while some may have a great IQ, um, meaning the, the metrics, they might not have the attributes or the experiences that align with the mission of the institution. And so um, that by, by looking at the candidates and really being mission focused in our selection, that's how we're able to get it down to 928 students for, that was the class of 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so that's how, that's how we do it. And it's, it's based on a holistic review again, and alignment with the mission of our institution, which I keep going back to, and I, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. No, I think it's great. It's very important to us. And our school was founded on a specific mission. And so we look for that in our candidates. Would you mind stating the mission? Sure. So um, we look to train future scientists and physicians who are patient-centered, meaning they're empathetic, compassionate, kind, caring. Um, Sometimes we like to refer to this as person-centered. We look to educate individuals who will be positive and proactive members within the interprofessional healthcare team. So they have effective communication skills. They can work well with others. They can utilize evidence-based research to further research initiatives and to help their patients. And last but not least, we focus on students who are community-minded and serve the community. And again, that's why I highlighted before some activities such as community service activities. It's very important for Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine to understand the community needs and to then look at social determinants of health, help individuals within our community, but bring to light those social determinants and how on um, the healthcare side, we can address those social determinants of health. But if you're not in the community, that's a little hard to do. Right. I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, occasionally essays that I've reviewed where students claim to identify with the mission of a particular school, but they don't really demonstrate it. Is that an issue that you've occasionally come across? Oh, I, I see it a lot. And, and that's, it, it's, um, 
you really, you can, you can say you did something, but show me how you did it. Right. And what right. did you learn from it? That's a little bit different than saying um, that you, you did that or you embrace that. And you can see that in the writing. And unfortunately, that would be an example of an app applicant who, who we believe would not resonate with the mission, right? They say they did it, but there's no evidence of, of you actually doing that. There's also sometimes come across um, applicants that maybe they're, they're like checking boxes. Um, you, know, yes. you sometimes see that as opposed to having a real commitment to a particular um, area of medicine or not even so much an area of medicine, but maybe a particular cause in, in their community, however they define their community or perhaps another community Absolutely. that they're not a part of. You know, you can, you can, you can see the box checkers right away. Um, but I ask students, what are you passionate about? Who do you want to serve? How have you demonstrated that? Do you have longitudinal commitments where you are, you know, you've done it over a period of time and you've grown substantially with your interactions uh, with individuals, with people from diverse backgrounds um, in your leadership capacity. And so you can really uh, tease that out in an application yeah. as opposed, and, and you can also tease out the box checker. Right. Years and years ago, I had a, a client, this was before the internet was ubiquitous and he actually came to my office and I, I asked him, um, he, he had to, yeah, he was obviously writing a personal statement or statement of purpose or something along those lines. And I asked him, I said, what do you feel strongly about? There had been a particularly horrific child abuse murder case in Los Angeles at that time. And he said, child abuse. And I said, it really makes my blood boil. And I said, well, what have you done in, in connection? He says, nothing. It just really makes my blood boil. And it made a lot of people's blood boil at that point and, and since then. But that doesn't cut it. <laughs> it does not. That's, that's the example that I used before. You're, you, you say it, but have you done it? What experiences like lend itself to that? And how have you demonstrated your commitment to, to advocacy or or advancing a cause. Right. How do you view letters of intent or correspondence from waitlisted applicants? I noticed there was a limit of two updates. What about updates before being waitlisted? Sure, so we, we have a limit of two. And really it's, the reason we do this is for students to really think about the meaningful activities and the meaningful information they'd want us to know you know, updating us weekly on, on what you did might not be as impactful as, as, as looking um, at a more longitudinal time period of growth. And so we believe that two updates really help us to understand the applicant better, and it provides them with the opportunity to provide meaningful information to us as opposed to 20 letters that just say, I'm, I continue to express my interest because you, you can get those. And, and, and while I'm glad, uh, and I appreciate that, I want them to stay interested. I want to know what else they've done lately, right? What do they continue to do to grow? Their capacity for improvement. Okay, great. And then next one is a listener question actually. And this listener, not specifically for Geisinger, but it, it was, um, I think it's an excellent question period. 
If you were a pre-med student, traditional or otherwise, planning to apply in 2023, in other words, not this cycle, but next cycle or the cycle thereafter, what is one thing you would be doing to prepare yourself for medical school? Well, that I have about 20 things, I would say. Let's, let's start. <laughs> and, and they're all important. Well, I, I, I would say, are you taking the appropriate undergraduate classes to make yourself competitive? Um, have you, and I, I'm separating this into metrics right now, and then I'll go into the experiences. I want to present it in a, in a meaningful way based on sort of categories or buckets um, and, and preparing for the MCAT um, and don't rush it. There's, there's time. The next piece is really reflecting on experiences and the experiences that you would like to engage in. And then how they align with the field of medicine and, and really becoming a member of that community in which you're engaging in that experience. That shows depth and it shows longitudinal commitment. And so I, I think that what I always like to say is students have to have an IQ, but they have to have the EQ, the emotional intelligence. And that comes with experiences. And so think about your experiences and, and which ones you have a passion for and how they align with medicine. Okay, great, thank you. What would you have liked me to ask you? Wow, <laughs> you went into, you, you did your research, Linda. Uh, <laughs> what I try. You definitely did. Um, you know, we talked about our Hallmark programs um, we talked about us transitioning uh, to the MMI. We talked about the, the preview exam, the assessment, and quite honestly, everything that you highlighted. Um, I actually just did a report to our admissions committee in May, um, and I'm actually giving an update to faculty senate on Thursday with all with everything that you asked me here. <laughs> Although more of a 36,000 foot approach as opposed to boots on the ground. Okay. Um, all I would say is that, you know, um, Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine really looks holistically at an applicant because we want to find those individuals who meet the mission of the institution and will serve in the Geisinger communities, meaning our regional footprint. So um, I, I, I think that we've exhausted everything that uh, I'd like to say today. I'm and flattered. <laughs> I'm really flattered. Thank you so much for being such a, you know, I love Sherlock Holmes. You definitely were a Sherlock Holmes doing <laughs> research in, in the questions you asked me. Thank you so much. Dr. Schmitty, this has been absolutely delightful, but I think we are almost out of time. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your expertise and your, and your insight. Where can listeners learn more about Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine? Thank you so much, Linda, for having me on today. Students interested in learning more about Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine can visit our website at www.geisinger.edu backslash G. C-S-O-M. Again, geisinger.edu backslash G-C-S-O-M. And those letters, those five letters represent Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine. Right. All right. That's good. That's great. Thank you very much. 
We'll include links in the show notes at exhibit.com slash 482 to Geisinger's website, as well as to other resources that may be helpful to you listeners. Reminder, you can download a complimentary copy of Mid-School Admissions, What You Need to Know to Get Accepted at exhibit.com slash 482 download. Grab your copy now. Listener, thank you too for joining us for our 482nd episode. If you find this show helpful, can I ask a favor? Could you leave your review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast site? It helps other grad school applicants find us. We have links at exceba.com slash 482 to our Apple Podcast page, where it's super easy to leave that review. This is Admission Straight Talk, produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. <music>